0: This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church
1: in Columbus, Ohio,
0: where we proclaim God's extravagant grace,
1: radical inclusion, and
0: relentless compassion.
1: Join us for worship on Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 1115 a.m.
0: This is Lord of Life. There's a place for you here. For information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. The first lesson today comes from Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. Sing aloud, O daughter Zion, shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you, he has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst, you shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home at the time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. Holy wisdom, holy word. The second lesson is from the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, And will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Holy wisdom, holy word.
1: The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the third chapter. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who's more powerful than I is coming. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many other exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people, the gospel of the Lord. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? God has the ax lying at your roots ready to cut you down and toss you like so much chaff into the fire. In such a manner, John proclaims the good news. It makes me wonder, what does bad news sound like to John? Such Fire and brimstone, we tend to associate more with those Old Testament prophets who always seem to be proclaiming doom and gloom and destruction, such that that even seems to become the way of affirming who is and isn't a prophet. If if they're prophesying about everything falling to pieces and the wheels coming off the wagon, well now there's a real prophet. Whereas if they're saying, hey, it's going to be all right, those always seem to end up being the, the false prophets. And now here is John lifting up his voice after 200 years of prophetic silence. We see him as the beginning of that new story, the beginning of a new beginning, a, The beginning of the good news. Because here comes Jesus, meek and mild. Jesus who gathers the children to him. Jesus who carries lambs in his arms. I think if we were doing more modern iconography, we'd show him petting kittens or something. This is the loving God not like that Old Testament wrathful being. And certainly we aren't the only ones who in the history of the church have seen this kind of duology between the God we meet in the Old Testament and the God we're getting ready to meet in the New. Some of the believers in the history of the church decided that that discrepancy was so great that obviously we must be talking about two gods. That there must be this this evil material God of the Old Testament who's always bashing people on the head and tossing them down canyons and burning them up. And And then there's the loving God who supersedes the wrathful one, who loves all his children, Or some felt that, well, the Old Testament God, that was a distortion caused by the Jews, and therefore we need to edit all that out, because the God we know is the loving God revealed in Jesus. You go to a football game, and you don't see many people holding up placards. Luke 3, the axe is lying at the root, whoo! No, what do you see? You see John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that nobody perishes. And yet here is John, somehow a bridge between these seeming two worlds, announcing the coming of Jesus in these kind of Old Testament forms, Driving us to ask the same sort of question that his listeners asked then. Well, what then should we do? Do we need to come to Sunday school more often? Do we need to prepare more casseroles for the church dinners? Do we need to pray more often or, or, or pick up a portals of prayer or some other devotional? Do we need to put money in the Salvation Army buckets? What then should we do? Well, one thing I think is kind of interesting about John's response to those questions is nowhere does he say, go and read the Bible. Review the Torah. Make sure you can list all the commandments. You need to believe harder. You need to say the right creed. All the things he says are very direct and simple communal responses. If you have two coats and someone else has none, Share with them. If you are in a position of power, don't abuse your power at the expense of the vulnerable. Be content. Take care of those around you. Like John's listeners then, I think we need to hear these words. We who tend to put too much premium on what it is and how it is we believe. Because sometimes believing can become a handy excuse to not really get around to doing much of anything. But John directs our gaze outward from ourselves to those sitting on our right and our left, and has us ask ourselves, how are they doing? Because when it comes right down to it, there is no me or you or us or them. There is only we in God's kingdom, which is what this is about, Yes, John is proclaiming the coming of Jesus, but as Jesus will point out, in his coming comes the kingdom of God. I'm hoping if I keep going back and forth like this, you'll have to keep moving your head. (laughs) And that kingdom of God is different than how we live now. Looks different than the world in which we are in now. And the the issue is not do you believe the right thing or or are you in a right mental place for this to happen. It is just simply the fact that this new reality will look different. And John calls us to begin living into that new reality now. To begin living as if the kingdom of God is already established with us. Because in that kingdom, we know that there will be no want. We know that there will be no tears. And we can already begin to make that happen when we become cognizant of the needs around us and help meet them, when we become cognizant of the grieving happening around us and we help comfort them. When we proclaim good news to those who are depressed or oppressed, those who desperately need to hear a word of hope. Nonetheless, it can be hard not to hear a word of judgment in John's words. After all, doesn't this get right back to that whole idea of works righteousness, the whole idea, well, okay, yeah, if we're going to be saved, it all depends on what we're going to be doing here. But when I think about that, I find myself thinking about the words that we speak over those that we baptize. Words drawn from Isaiah 11. When we ask the Holy Spirit to come down and to be with this child being baptized, to give them a spirit of wisdom and might, a spirit of counsel and fear of the Lord, a spirit of joy in God's presence, But if you keep reading in Isaiah, right after that it describes what that spirit looks like. It looks like justice being done for the poor around us. It looks like equity between all people. It looks like one who stands up to evil on behalf of those around one. And then it goes on to describe what we sometimes refer to as the peaceable kingdom. You might be familiar with those words from Isaiah where he talks about the, uh, the wolf and the lamb lying down together. Which reminds me of a quote from Woody Allen where he says, yeah, the, the wolf and the lamb will lie down together, but the lamb won't get much sleep. And the, 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 the bear and the, the, the cow grazing together along with the lion and the leopard. And then it says the unweaned child will be playing with snakes. I guess the vipers make it into the kingdom of God after all. They're there alongside all of those other odd bits and pieces of creation. They too somehow are brought into this fold. All of us grieving ones, all of us broken ones, all of us brood of vipers are finally brought into the kingdom of God and blessed and embraced. In the end, the Old Testament God and the New Testament God turn out to be one, and the voice. Speaks consistently with that invitation, with that what, with that attentiveness to the ones that God has created and the desire to heal us and to bring us in. Amen.